This is the Ed Milet Show. All right, welcome back to the show, everybody. I'm so excited to have my friend here today. This guy, uh, he's perfect timing for me in my life. And so I know what we're going to discuss today is going to improve and change your life tremendously. And I just have this feeling I'm having him on again at the right time. So this gentleman has been on the show. I very rarely have people come back twice, but when they really, really help people, I do it. So very few times, only a couple I've done that. But my friend Trent Shelton is here today. Trent is an author. He's a podcaster. Straight up with Trent Shelton is his podcast. And I think I would just call him somebody who, I guess a life strategist, but I just think he helps people manage their lives better. And I want him to help all of you do that today. And I think he's the best at what he does. So Trent Shelton, welcome back to the show, my brother. Hey, man. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me back. It's good to see you. It's good to be back on this epic podcast, bro. So thank you, man. Yeah, I'm blessed to have you. You guys know, if you didn't see the show before, Trent was a professional football player, great athlete, but he's really found his calling in what he does now. So I got to tell you, brother, every year I pick a word for the year. It's kind of like my theme. So some year it's influence or contribution or strength. And this year, the word for me is peace. And mm-hmm. as I was literally selecting that word, I'm not kidding you. When I tell you, I thought about you and because you talk so often about protecting one's peace, protect your peace. So I just want to start out today. What does that mean to you when you say it, protect your peace and, and how does somebody begin to do a better job of doing that? Yeah, man. So protecting your peace can mean different things for different people. Uh, for me, it's three words that I use to be able to keep my soul right, as I like to say. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in this world, especially as an influencer or especially, you know, you could be a businessman, whatever you're doing, a mom or dad, there's so much grabbing at you. I mean, more than ever with social media, um, with this world and where it is. And so for me, it means disconnecting from the world hmm. and reconnecting to my soul. Because we live in such a noisy world. We're always going, 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 going. We never have time to slow down and actually hear what our soul needs. And so in the morning time, usually it's my time to protect my peace. And so I'm out there in my backyard, in my hot tub and just Mm. sitting in there uh, warming up my body, but also just having conversations with God, uh, having conversations with myself and just being grateful. You know, the thing that I say every single morning is, you know, the sun rose and so did I. So I'm grateful for that opportunity. And so I would tell people out there, listen to this episode is, you know, what are the things that disturb you? What are the things that take away from your energy a lot? And some things are things that are going to do it as a parent or as a CEO, you're going to have to have, you know, a lot of people, you know, pulling at you and things like that. It's a part of our duty and responsibility, but also what are some things that, you know, you're willingly keeping in your life that you don't need there Mm. that you're unwillingly uh, allowing to drain your energy. So for me, it's protecting my energy, protecting my soul, protecting my peace and protecting my life. And so, um, Come up with a system that allows you to enter the day more peaceful than stressful. So, you know, I study you, I study anybody comes on the show, but particularly people that I think can make a difference to me. I don't know if it's our athletic background or when you and I met for the first time at the house, I'm like, this is my guy. And so you do have that system in the morning. I think you call it automatic minutes. And then in the evening, you call them purposeful minutes, right? See, I did. I know my stuff. So what (laughs) what do those mean? What are automatic minutes and what are purposeful minutes? Absolutely, man. Yeah, you definitely know it, man. Um, So (laughs) AM and PM, right? I mean, I, I pun intended that for your day oh, and your time, yeah. because we know that time, we, we hear this often, man, but this past year has taught me more than anything. Time is the most valuable thing that we have. I know we hear that, but I want people listening to this episode to really understand that and ask themselves, 
how are they spending their time? Now, the AM is the automatic minutes. These are minutes that that are going to happen no matter what, right? I mean, if you're working nine to five, you have automatic minutes that you have to be there. You know, your sleep is automatic minutes. And you have about, I think, 1,440 minutes in a day, about 500,000, something like that, in a year. And most people are spending about 90 to 95 minutes in those automatic minutes. Mm. And they're not spending much time in the purposeful minutes. And the purposeful mm. minutes are simply this, the things that allow you to bring peace to your soul, the things that bring the right energy to your life. So if you're working a nine to five and that's automatic minutes, maybe your purposeful minute is your mission, is your vision. Maybe your purposeful minutes is spending time with your kids. And one of the things Ed, that's really helped me because, you know, sometimes, you know, those automatic minutes don't change. And one of the things that I pride myself in is taking my son to school and mm it's an automatic minute thing for me, right? Mm -hmm. Every day from eight to eight, 15, eight, 20, I'm in the car taking trips in the school. Mm. And so I said, man, and I don't know if it's as purposeful for him as it is for me. Yeah. I said, you know what, since I have to do this and I want to do this, I'm going to make sure I find purpose in it. And so I can, mm. I kid you not, man, it is the most like joyful time of my day because me and Tristan have conversations like, you know, just man conversations, boy conversations, really? sports conversations and um, with no interruptions. So now I've brought purpose into those automatic minutes. So the person watching this and listening to this and saying, hey, you know, I have too many automatic minutes. How can you bring purposeful minutes into your job while you're there? there How can you, you bring purposeful minutes into the things that, you know, um, that you have to do? until you get to a place where maybe you don't have to do those things anymore. Oh, wow. So good. I was, when you were talking, I'll let you kind of go on this too. I was thinking about how you can take people for granted. You were mm -hmm. talking about Tristan in school. And I was thinking my favorite person to talk to my favorite dude to talk to is my son, Max. It's my favorite mm -hmm. guy, but you know, there are times, frankly, when maybe it's automatic, and it's not purposeful. And I take for granted the fact that I'm going to get a chance to talk to him forever. It makes me emotional to think about how many times maybe we've just been automatic or I have been automatic and forgetting what a blessing it is to have this son that I love so much that I like so much in my presence, who wants to talk to me about sports, about life, about yeah. business and how sometimes for me, maybe I do go automatic sometimes with my favorite dude. And so just you pointing that out and I was picturing, we both, you know, I lost my dad and then you've had a tough year. You lost your mom and you know, your mom isn't going to walk in a room and get a chance to talk to you anymore. My dad doesn't, mm -hmm. I don't get another chance to have my dad walk in a room and talk to me. So everybody listen to what Trent says. The reason Trent's content resonates so deeply is common sense. Isn't always quite so common. And when Trent says things, it's almost like a reminder to your soul of things you do know, but don't practice most often. And he's one of the few people that points them out. I'm just curious, brother, with all the resources and tools you have, how did you deal with such a difficult year last year? Were there, you know, if you don't mind speaking about how it impacted you and then maybe what you did to, in your, to use your terminology, sort of rehab yourself out of it. Yeah, man. Um, I probably been proud talking about it. Yeah. But last year was the hardest year of my life. You know, I thought losing football was going to be the hardest time in my life. The last podcast, that was it. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, last year, you know, not to spend too much time on it, but mm -hmm. the month of March was a horrible month, you know? And I, and I say that at that time, I look back and I think it's a beautiful month and mm -hmm. I'll maybe get into those reasons why, but you know, I yeah, lost true. my mom and I don't like to use the word loss, by the way, I gained an angel. So I gained an angel, um, March 7th, March 9th, two days later, 
right across the street, you know, my, my baby girl, I four year old girl, I get over there and she's unconscious. She got hit in the head with a rock from a lawnmower two days later. And, um, you know, she's bleeding out her head. I'm holding her and it's a, it's, it's so hard to explain. I feel like unless you've been in that situation, mm. uh, it's hard to bring the words. And in that mm. moment, I'm like, man, what is going on? Mm. Get to the hospital in the ICU and I get a text and they try to prevent it from me. But my dad was like, Hey, I want to tell you, I know how you are. Your grandmother's in ICU now too. That same day. <laughs> uh, my grandmother ended up passing two weeks later. Wow. And so, um, this is what, what I realized, you know, um, it's, it's funny how life makes you practice what you preach even more and brings it right to your front doorstep. Yeah. And not to be real with you, Ed, a lot of stuff was starting to die when my mother died, when my grandmother died, mm-hmm. uh, my passion was starting to die. Uh, my purpose was starting to die. And, you know, there was a lot of people speaking into my life and giving me the right words and it helped, mm-hmm. but it was one person close to me that told me something and I really needed to hear it. She said, Trent, your life will never be the same. Mm. And as hard as that was to hear, mm. I needed to hear because in that moment I said, well, either I'm going to stay in grief and suffering for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. or I'm going to try to create this new normal. And I'll mm. tell you the thing, man, Ed, that really turned the page for me with losing my mother because my mother, man, I mean, she was my biggest supporter. I mean, when it comes to rehab time and everything, she spoke this into my life. Mm. I remember looking in the mirror. It was about maybe five months, man, after March, so probably September or something like that. I was looking in the mirror, gain weight, uh, you know, trying to fight myself out of this silent battle and out of this struggle while trying to be there for everybody else. And it was just tough looking in the mirror. And I said, man, like, is this it? You know, and I pictured my angels, my grandmother and my mother Mm. that sacrificed so much Mm. that ran their race of life so hard Mm. to give me, my brothers and my my kids, their grandkids, great grandkids. The lead on life is what I say. You know, Mm. it's like a race, right? Mm. Some people don't do their part and you hand off the baton and your kids or grandkids got to play catch up. Mm. But my mother and grandmother they gave me the lead on life. And I was just picturing them vividly just crying Mm. saying, I didn't die for you to die with me. I didn't die for your purpose to die with me. I didn't die for your spirit to die with me. You know, I ran my race, celebrate my life and use this as a reminder for one, that tomorrow isn't promised forever comes with an expiration date. And a lot of us, we talk about forever. We don't realize forever will come to an end at some point. Use this to make you feel more alive. Use this to make you get the most out of life. Use this to make you go harder for your purpose and for your mission. Because if you don't do that, then my death is in vain. And everything I sacrifice goes to waste. And in that moment, I asked myself that same question. When I die, do I want to be the reason why my kids suffer? Why my kids lose their passion? Why my kids stop going forward? And excuse my French, I said, hell no. And in that moment, the the switch flipped for me. And immediately that grief starts to turn into greatness in my life. And now I'm using that as motivation instead of a limitation. That is so powerful. 
that's hard to move on even from that point, man. Like it, that affects me very deeply when it happened, you, you know, you got a million messages, but after a little time, I did tell you, I said, you know, cause when we did the show the first time, my dad was sick and we were both talking about, man, I don't know if I lose my dad and you're like, man, if I lose my mom and then it happened for both of us. And, you know, I just remind you of what I've told you is just, I'm just so proud of you. Cause I believe you're honoring your mom and your grandmother with your life. And so many of you that are listening to this, they don't have to pass away for you to decide today. You're going to begin to honor these people that have been angels in your life with who you become and what you do and the difference you make and the courage you show. And if they have passed away, you can make that decision right now. I'm going to begin to honor them with who I am and what I do here. And that legacy piece you say too, as I, you know, when I do pass away, I think a lot of times Trent, people think everyone else is going to die except them. It's some yep, weird thing in our minds, you know, everyone else, they're going to die. I, you know, I'm probably, you know, for some reason, it doesn't <laughs> dawn on us that we too will die someday, our physical bodies. And I want, you know, I would love that if my son were on a show someday, he thinks about me the way you think about your mom, you know, the way that I think about my dad as an example of somebody that I want to honor. And so I hope all of you hold on to that. I just think that was an incredible point. It makes me very, I'm, Kevin Hart says sometimes, say it with your chest. I felt what you said in my chest there. You know, I, I'd still do right now, but now there's the, so there's the angels in our life. And then there's the people that aren't angels in our lives. This is part of that peace thing. Yeah. And everybody says all the time, Hey, remove toxic people from your life. But here's the truth. Almost nobody ever does it. Almost no. nobody does it. They just don't. They go, ah, I'm going to get rid of these toxic people in my life. Yeah, but you don't, you don't. And I think, I don't know if it's a lack of courage or the ability to do it, or if people feel like, well, then I'm going to be alone. And that's worse than this toxic person in my life. But talk about, cause you're just so profound about this is it, the, the way you say it, what do toxic people do to us? And then how do we find the strength to do we remove them? Do we keep them at a distance? Like, what are your thoughts about toxic people stealing that piece I want this year, or we all want? Absolutely. I'll just, I'll just ask everybody this question. And this question seems a little bit straight up and harsh, but it's the reality. You know, if you're in a situation where your environment sucks, your environment's terrible. And I want to be clear, Ed, you know what I mean? Sometimes we're the toxic people, you know what I mean? Sometimes we got to look ourselves in the, yeah. in the mirror and make sure we're not that person. And take Good that point. responsibility. But once you understand that and you have the things around your life, you got to ask yourself, picture everything in your life as soil, right? Your environment is soil. The people that you're around, the places you take your life, everything is soil. I believe that each and every one of us, we're a seed. We're a seed of greatness. We're a seed of, of goodness. We're a seed of, you know, a person being legendary. We have all of those qualities in us. I believe God made us that way. Mm. What happens is <laughs> a lot of us, we put our seed in toxic soil and we wonder why we're not producing the right harvest for our life. Right. We wonder why, why we're, we're producing weed. We wonder why we're producing things that end up dying. So I want to ask the person listening to this right now is what type of soil are you putting your seed in? Because a great seed and bad soil will not produce good fruit, will not produce a good harvest. And you got to be real with yourself. Do you want to live the rest of your life unhappy? Do you want to die unhappy? Do you want to die miserable? Because like you said, that a lot of people are afraid. They're afraid of, they're afraid of confrontation. They're yes. afraid of what people are going to say once they make that decision, because we know how it is. People will start to make you feel like you're the bad person, no matter what you have done for them. They'll point out all the things you so didn't true. do and not yes. all the things you did do. 
Yes. Um, I think people are also, yeah, they're afraid to be alone, but you have to understand this about the journey. Sometimes it takes being perfectly lonely. Cause I say perfectly to understand what being perfectly loved feels like. So it took me in my darkest moments in my loneliest times to understand God's true love for my life. And once I realized the love that he had for me, once I realized how he created me, it became a lot easier. So I gained more confidence. I knew my worth and I went on this journey of being the greatest me. And one thing about the journey that's true, the journey will always be loyal to giving your life what it needs. So as I walked down the right path, wow. yeah, it was lonely at first. But as I'm climbing this mountain, I seen somebody else that was climbing the mountain in the same direction. I seen somebody else as I went a little higher that was climbing the mountain in the right direction. And then you build this tribe of like mindsets. And so, you know, a, another uh, illustration, just really quick. And like, yeah, please. It's, it's like, a. will just put it like this. My neighbor, like two houses down, we're in Texas, right? We're like in Dallas, it's hot. <laughs> so we move here and my neighbor has like a palm tree. And it was about fall time. So the palm tree, it looked good, right? And so... When winter hit, <laughs> the palm tree was terrible, right? The palm tree was bad. The palm tree withered away. It died. They had to cut the top off. It looked terrible. And it made me realize this truth. And I want people to understand this. When you look at your life and you look at yourself as that palm tree, right? You're beautiful. Everybody wants you. You're popular. You're a popular tree. But if you put yourself, right? If you put that palm tree in New York, that palm tree wouldn't ever reach its full potential. Mm. That palm tree wouldn't be a palm tree. It would be an ugly tree nobody would buy. But if you put that palm tree in Cali, you put that palm tree in Florida, you put that palm tree in Hawaii, you put that palm tree in Puerto Rico, in the right environments, that palm tree flourishes. That palm mm. tree looks beautiful. So with your life, yeah, you're that palm tree. You have all those great qualities. But if you're in the wrong environment, you will never meet the potential that your life has. Oh my gosh, man. I got to tell you. It's just, there's some timely things with that on me. I made a post today. I think it said, not friends, not enemies, just strangers with memories. Meaning mm -hmm. that I think oftentimes that confrontation that we might have to have, and by the way, this will people in sight to Trent and I both. I don't think, I know you pretty well. You're not a confrontational person by nature and neither am I. I hate to hurt people. And it's not even that. I hate how they might think about me when I do have to confront them. You'd think, well, two pretty successful dudes, both former athletes, man, I'm a very unconfrontational person. Typically it's something I've had to kind of work on. But my point of that quote that I just gave is that, you know, you don't have to hate someone for them to be out of your life, but potentially you also don't need to remain in proximity to them. I think sometimes people come into our lives for seasons and they come into our lives to teach us lessons. God's brought this person. They may be an angel who's temporarily going to be in your life a year, five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years to teach you a lesson at that time. And then the truth is, if you really think about it, when my dad passed away and probably true with your mom as well, my dad lived 74 years. He was young. Right. But the amount of people that stayed in my dad's life, the entire 74 years until the end was like two people. Right. So that this notion that, as you said earlier, everything is forever and everyone is forever. Think about all of you listening to this, if you're in your thirties or forties, how many of your really great friends from high school for most of you, or grade school are still, you're still communicating with every single day. So this shouldn't change when you're 30 and your new set of people when you're 50. And I think sometimes we just avoid that. So now what I want to ask you about, cause I've never heard it really said this way. So there's, that's something we can change, right? Is that the people around us, but then there are certain situations that just aren't changeable. 
you know, you've had an injury that ended a career like we both had, right. Or whatever that is not changeable. It's it, it, that is a, it's a fact of life. It happened, or there was a divorce or you had a bankruptcy or a business failed or someone did you wrong. So you talk often about being able to not change the situation, but change potentially the way that you what? So go ahead. I'll let you, Mm. I'll let you answer that. That's so powerful. And because I get that question all the time, it's like, I can't change or even teenagers are saying, I can't, I'm in my parents' household. I can't get out this household. I can't do this. And if that's the truth, if you can't change the situation, you must change your mindset in the situation. Mm-hmm. You must change your mindset towards the situation. You must change who you are mm-hmm. in the situation. And that's yeah. called perspective. Some I talk about all the time, your perspective can be your prison or it can be your power. And so any mm-hmm. situation that I know that I can't undo, I mean, even with my mother's passing, mm-hmm. I can't change that. That's a situation mm-hmm. I have forever. I can allow that pain to control me, or I can say, you know what, I can do something with this pain. And and, and, and manipulate it to make it my power. And so I'm always thinking now, okay, how can I find power in this situation? You talk about the word for the year, right? One of my words I always say is this, our mantras is this is power. So when I can't change situations, this is power because at some point I know I'm going to look back and say, man, that situation that was supposed to break me that I couldn't change at the moment. Maybe God was allowing me to stay in that situation, not to break me, but to build me. Mm. And I can look back plenty of times in my life and say, man, I'm glad I stayed in that, or I'm glad that happened because now it created something inside of me that if I would have moved from that situation, or I didn't have that situation. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have the experience. I wouldn't have the knowledge and I wouldn't have the strength from it. Yeah. Now that won't stay on that because m- most people know your story, but maybe they need to be right. M- many may not, you know, people that are new to my show or, or new to you, but this whole thing that you are, this man you've become, was really born out of a situation you couldn't change with your friend, right? Like the beginning of this version of Trent Shelton. And I think it's probably a great time in the show for you to tell that story because I think there's a lot of people that are in situations they can't change right now, combined with the fact that they're not sure what their purpose is or what their passion is or what to do about it. And you've become one of the biggest influencers in the world through what most people would view and was a tragedy with a friend of yours. So take everyone through that part of your story. It's the perfect time in the show, because I think they can see themselves in your story, even though the situations are different. Absolutely. Uh, I was a college teammate, college roommate. Um, Even more than that, one of my closest friends in college, Um, his career got cut short football player. And what I mean, got cut short. He went through some trials some relationship things. He Mm -hmm. left, a football team and, you know, he joined the military and nothing wrong with that. But I just know that for him in conversations, he was selling, he was unhappy just being around him. I could just tell something was different. 2011. uh, I got a call uh, one night. I was actually on my way to our other best friend's house. And it's ironic because me and my best friend were just talking about him. It's like, man, we need to link up with aunt. Got a call from a girl who actually knew us at Baylor, but she was in the corner. She worked at the corner's office. She said, Hey, Trent, uh, and is here. And I didn't put two and two together. I was like, okay, like where, like, is he, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, where is he at? He's like, he's here. And I was like, what are you talking about? It's like, I work at the corners office. He's here. And it still didn't register. Mm. Make a long story short and had committed suicide. Um, mm-hmm. They found him three days later uh, with all the memories in front of him, pictures of people, um, you know, his football things. And, you know, he shot himself in the head. Mm. And in that moment uh, it hurt because you know, when you lose somebody, the first thing you go to is guilt. 
the first thing you go to is regret and ask yourself, man, I wish I would have, I wish I would have done more. And in that moment, I knew that there was nothing I could have done more, mm-hmm. you know, since the situation had happened. Uh, I remember going to his service, man. And, and I'm glad that you said this because being a speaker, being whatever people want to call me titles, author, all the stuff that people give me, this wasn't something that I wanted to do. Yeah. This wasn't something that I sought out to say, hmm, this is a great business idea. Let me do this. Yeah. Nah, it wasn't. It was my promise to him at his funeral. Mm. My promise. And I love when you say, man, you know, keeping that promise to yourself is yeah. so, so important. Mm. My promise to him was like, aunt, I'm going to live the rest of my life to help people with their self-worth. So when people see my videos and they say, Trent, man, like you talk about releasing things from your life or getting rid of toxic things from your life. This is why. Yes. Because he had toxic things in his life that he felt like he had no life anymore. Mm. And he felt like there was no reason to go on. Mm. And so with my promise to him, and from that day, start picking up my cell phone, didn't have a following, start making these videos with just this. Yes. Didn't have some camera that you're seeing now. Didn't have no microphone, just my cell phone. Yes. And I committed myself for the rest of my life. And, and I want to be clear about that, Ed, because I just feel like we live in a generation now where I don't want to step on any, I don't mind stepping on people's toes, but I I don't want to, you know, make people feel a certain type of way by saying this. And, you know, hopefully y'all have, you know, you have your insecurities to the side, but a lot of people, you know, when they sign up for certain things, it's for external reasons. It's because Mm -hmm. they see Ed Milet Mm -hmm. with, you know, this following, they see Trent Shum with this, but they don't know what we have endured and what we still endure while we're going through it. That's right. They don't have a deep rooted reason of why they want to do what they do. And every time opportunity to quit opportunity to throw in a towel opportunity to detour to something else to, to change, you know, there's people that's on there and, and I, I want to be clear. It's okay to, you know, change different things, but if you're just changing because it's hard, because things ain't adding up because you're not getting the likes and the views and the money, all that stuff. I see a lot of that. And for yeah. me, I said, there's no negotiation with this. Yes. Like I'm yes. burning the boats, burning the bridge, and I'm signing yeah. up for this forever. So yes. every time I want to quit, man, I I picture his face. Yeah. And um, it makes me go even harder. I, I hope everybody just hears what he just said. I mean, it's it's easy to hear it in hindsight. This guy's a Trent's a football player, right? And kind of then trying to find where what am I going to do with my life? Imagine this that because of this tragedy in his life, a situation, as we said in the previous you know, conversation, wasn't controllable. And he ends up becoming, through grabbing his cell phone and just starting to talk about this stuff, one of the biggest influences on the planet, hundreds of millions of views, probably over a billion if you added up all your content now, you know, all of it combined, right? One of the most sought after speakers on the planet, podcaster, author, guy I've had, I've had, I think three people on my show only two times. He's one of them. And that gives you an idea of how highly I regard Trent. And a lot of you that are listening to this, if you're thinking, I don't know what my passion is. Here's a place to look. And it's not always there. Look for a real pain point for you. It's a really, it's not always there, but you go, what's a real pain point. Like for me, my dad was an alcoholic, my low self-esteem. That's the pain point of my life has become my work. That's that thing. Trent just used deep rooted reason to keep going when you're not successful originally. That's why this pain, he always says, has turn it into a purpose. That's usually where your purpose is coming from is a place of pain from you. That's why you see some of these influencers that are super fit that used to be super heavy. It was a pain point. Now, I want you to speak to this, just one little element of it. And I don't know the answer to this. Was there anything about you prior to his passing 
that would indicate you should or would be doing this? In other words, were you always someone who was very reflective about life? Maybe there was some gifts and talents. So I'm actually trying to pick this apart. I don't know the answer. Were you always sort of an extraordinary communicator? Were you always a deep thinker, sympathetic? Were there things about you or was this just sort of it ignited something in you, you had no idea existed and there weren't any previous gifts or talents that would give you a proclivity for it. I'm just curious. And I don't know the answer. Yeah, man, that's a great question. I will say this. I definitely believe that there was a seed there. Um, mm -hmm. and that seed showed glimpses throughout my life because I remember looking back, even when I was four or five years old, you know, whether it was, it was my dad being a passionate communicator, mm -hmm. people always tell me, man, you're going to be like your father, man, mm -hmm. you're going to be, you're a great communicator. And the thing about it, Ed, even to this day, I don't communicate a lot. And my grandmother always told me this and bless her heart. She says, you know, you don't talk much, but when you do talk and open your mouth, people listen. And she told me that since I was a little Bitty boy, she said, it's something about you that people gravitate to when you mm -hmm. open your mouth. And I just remember all of those, as we call it in the church world, prophecies or callings placed upon my life. Mm -hmm. I remember going to crusades with my mother at like five or six years old and pastors would speak into my life and say, man, you're going to touch a lot of lives. And I'm mm -hmm. thinking, yeah, it's football for sure. I got mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. But it was this. And so there, there are often times when people are placing callings on you and letting you know, but I will say this, when you're so locked in into what you want to do, mm. a lot of times you become deaf and blind to what you're called to do. So it wasn't even on my radar. And as I think back now in real time, there's so many times mm -hmm. where this doesn't surprise me now, but I wasn't even focused on that. So I couldn't even hear that or understand that. Yes. So my hunch is that in most cases that your purpose will come from a pain point. This is what I believe mm -hmm. most of the time. And that you probably have some natural giftedness in some area that would lead you to be good at it. And it could be anything, your nurturing skills, your humor, your intellect, your touch, your sensitivity, your math skills, depending on what the thing is. But it's usually in hindsight. And you're exactly right. I want you to talk about this you're usually blocked by what you want to do and not being open to what God wants you to do in your life. For me, it was, it was probably in hindsight. I was always had this deep voice and I was a broadcaster in college, but I was so locked in on playing baseball yeah. that that's what I was going to do, That I was not open to doing anything else. And it wasn't until that dream ended. And quite frankly, I failed at it for whatever the reasons were that God's big dream for my life, my God-sized dream was revealed to me. So some of you that are having this setback, I want you to speak to this right now, Trent. That may be the end of your dream, what you thought it was. And now you need to become more open to your true purpose because that's the big one of your life. True. That's what happened with you and I both. A thousand percent. And this is the thing, man. Like sometimes it's an alignment, you know, maybe you're the unicorn, right? Sometimes mm -hmm. What you want to do is align what God has called you to do. Yes. Um, I would say 99% of the time, it's probably not. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you this, like in me, I feel like everything is preparing you for it because yep. I feel like if I would have got this purpose when I was 20, or I've been walking in this purpose when I was 20, I wouldn't have been prepared for it. I would have mm -hmm. fumbled it for sure. Mm -hmm. But it, me going through football and going through the stages of my life, those pain points, me having problems. And I also think with purpose, it's about solving the problems that you're passionate about solving. And now I'm able to help more people, but I will tell you this, when you are in your purpose, man, you are 
and I don't know if you feel like this, and this is mm -hmm. something I've yeah. thought about a while because mm -hmm. a lot of people talk about imposter syndrome and, yeah. and things like that. And I tell people when you're in your purpose, it almost feels like it doesn't come with effort. And what I, what I mean yeah. by that, I might say you don't work hard and you're not disciplined, mm -hmm. but it becomes so natural to you. And it's yep. so much peace around. And so once I started to walk down this path, even mm -hmm. though there were no signs that this was it mm -hmm. for a while, mm -hmm. there was a sense of peace and calm in my life from my creator that I believe that was like, this is what you are called to do. It was like, I knew doors that didn't exist were going to open as long as I stayed loyal to the order steps that God had for my life. And I cannot tell you how many times that doors were open, how we met. I can, I mean, I'm sure you have those experiences too, yes. but, I, but for people with imposter syndrome and things like that, sometimes you're feeling like that because it comes so natural to you and you see everybody working so hard to try to force things that's not meant for their life. Like, man, well, I don't do things like they do. It's because you might be living in your true calling. You're still right. Yeah. It feels like home. Even when I wasn't very good at it, even when I had setbacks, it just felt like home to me. And I know many of you heard this before, but God, God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. You're going to get really good at it. If it's your calling, you're going to have the right people enter your life over time. And I just, I strongly believe that and one weird thing about both Trent and I is that although we're both public people and we communicate kind of, I guess, to some extent in our different businesses for a living, we're both very introverted people. When you meet us, we're both quiet guys. And so, um, it was one of the things that when you met, you and I met for the first time, it was like some brother from another mother, because we're both sort of wired this way. And I think that sometimes people think they have to have every single piece of what they think is required of them to be great at it. Actually, you just have to have one, maybe two of those little talents or gifts, then you'll build your niche in the way that you do it. So Really good discussion, which I knew it would be today. <laughs> really good for me. And I'm just hearing people right now go, I need to share this with people. Well, I want to talk to you about a little bit about trauma and mm -hmm. depression. And then we'll talk about something I really want to get into related to that. But more than maybe any time that I've been on the earth for 50 years, I feel like people, because of the pandemic and because of different things in the world and just all of the stuff and some of it's very necessary stuff, difficult conversations as culture and society, we need to have to make progress. And, and then some of them that just get so bad, red, blue, you know, Democrat, Republican, all of this stuff that it's just angry and down and oftentimes causes people to be depressed to some extent, yeah. there's scales of depression all the way from hey, I'm worried or I got anxiety to like really serious stuff that your friend suffered from. What would you say to someone who right now is in that sort of a space? They're like, Hey, oh, I want this. I want my calling. I want my purpose. I want to honor my angels in my life. You know, I want peace. I want all of that, but this is where I'm at right now. What would you say to them? I would tell you to, Develop some standards and a set of mm -hmm. rules in your life. Uh, mm -hmm. What I mean by rules are non-negotiables every single day. And you can have rules for your peace, rules to deal with your trauma, uh, rules to progress your business in your life. Mm -hmm. Have rules and standards and principles that don't budge, that move you forward down the road. And fall in love with progression. Fall in mm -hmm. love with knowing every single day I did something to create the peace in my life. Because Ed, this is what a lot of people don't understand, man. And I really believe this, like 
you know, we're the creators of our life, right? We didn't create our life. Our great creator did, but he gives us the power to create certain things in our life. And I feel like so many people, they're stagnant. They're waiting on somebody to open a door. They're waiting on somebody to give them an opportunity. They're waiting on somebody to love them. They're waiting on somebody to, you know, help their self-esteem. And I just tell people, man, you got to create it in this world. And so whatever it is that you got to do, whatever it is that you need, your vulnerabilities, your voids in your life, the things that you want to strengthen, create systems and rules and standards and boundaries that help you do that. And like, don't think that it has to be overnight. As long as you can look back at the end of 2022 and look back at the beginning and say, man, I grew in these areas, man. I leveled up in these areas, man. I have more peace in my life. I have more fulfillment in my life because I think that's the greatest success, more fulfillment in my life. That's where true joy, happiness, uh, the word you use a lot, bliss, I feel like comes from. So do I, I, uh, I think you don't always get your goals, but long-term you will always get your standards. And mm -hmm. I love that you've used that term. Eventually you get your standards. Malcolm X had this great quote that I have everywhere. And he said, and sometimes you have to really not like where you are to move forward. And he said that, which you do not hate, you will eventually tolerate. And it's okay that you don't like where you are. It's okay. If you almost despise where you are, because that can be a catalyst. There's this old adage of the dog who's sitting on the nail and he's barking and people go by and goes, why is the dog barking? He's sitting on the nail. I go, well, why doesn't he get up and move? And they go, well, it's, it's hurting him enough to bark about it, but not enough to get up and move and do anything about it. And so it's okay if that pain threshold reaches you, it's not, it's that's there for a reason. It's helped to create your purpose. It's a catalyst to get you moving. So sometimes pain avoidance isn't always the best thing. Sometimes it gets leverage in our lives and helps us make moves. And, you know, I often still leverage pain in my life. There's two catalysts in our lives, gain pleasure, bliss, right. and avoid pain. And both work. And it's okay to use both those levers on yourself. And that's why God gave us both of them. It's why there is pain and there is pleasure. So just remember that everybody as you're listening to it. Big thing you've been talking about lately that I'm totally on and I don't talk enough about and you do is red flags, which are mm -hmm. obstacles. I think often, I want you to speak to this. We're so in our lives. And then what you teach so well is like separating and getting away and getting peace and getting perspective, that word you use. But sometimes, including myself, I'm so in it that the signs that are around me I can't see them because I'm all, I'm, I'm not above them, but there are these red flags in our lives that you're the best at speaking about this. So talk about, you know, what they are ignoring them and then what to do about them. Yeah. I think a great exercise, Ed, because you're right. I mean, sometimes you're so in it. Um, you don't realize what's going on around you. And even for some of us, like we see the red flags and we ignore it. And the more red flags you ignore, the more likely, you know, negative pain and hurt and heartbreak is going to come into your life. It's like driving down a road that says like dead end in a hundred feet. And you just keep driving. It says dead end in 50 feet. So the more you ignore those signs, the more you're going to push yourself off a cliff emotionally. And so one of the things that, that I do, I need to do it more often, but I do every so often is whether it's visually or actually um, writing it down physically, I'll write down a list of things in my life. So I have a list of people in my life that I'm around. I have environments in my life that I'm around. I have things that I'm doing, right? Maybe business-wise or whatever it may be in my life. And I ask myself a simple question. And usually I have three categories. The one category is just stagnant, which is fine. But I have a category, two categories is peace or pain. Mm. Simple. Mm. And I go down the list and I ask myself, 
is this person, is this thing, is this habit, maybe I'm having a habit, is it bringing more peace to my life? Wow, is yeah. it keeping me neutral or is it bringing more pain to my life? It is simple. It was so simple. I go down my bank account statements at times mm-hmm. and I ask myself where I'm spending my money. Is it bringing more peace to my life, more stress to my life, or is it keeping me neutral? And I think the more you can actually see it and understand it, it gives you the awareness to be able to make decisions in your life. Because at the end of the day, Ed, it's like, if you keep, you said this perfectly, if you keep pain in your life, it is what you will continue to experience. And for most people, it sucks that it has to be like this. Most people have to actually experience heartbreak, experience rock bottom for them to actually set some standards that don't budge in their life. For me, once I touch the fire, I'm not touching it again. I understand yes. when I put my hand on the stove, it's going to burn. So mm-hmm. once I understand signs, red flags, then one of the, 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 the tactics that you can also do is have principles in your life, mm-hmm. right? Have principles and rules in your life that say, okay, this is what I'm about. This is what I accept. This is what I don't tolerate, right? Whether I don't tolerate disrespect, I don't tolerate this, I don't tolerate that. And never let people make you feel stuck up or too high for your rules and your standards because people will try to make you guilty, feel guilty for that. And it becomes easier for me to say, nah, that opportunity ain't for me, even though it looks good. Because there's some things that are good that aren't great for you. Mm -hmm. Um, That person, the presentation is good, but something's off right there. The energy doesn't lie. Oh, no, you know what? I'm going to hold off on that. And I'm sure it's allowed me to maybe, you know, miss some things in life. But I believe it's protecting me more from dangerous things more than ever. Oh, my gosh. We're on such in sync. So one thing is you do teach people how to treat you, everybody. You're teaching them with what you tolerate and what you accept. But it's amazing you just said this because a really good friend and I were talking last night. I told him I was going to have this conversation with you today. And you know this person. We were just kind of sharing our mutual affection for you. And um, he said, well, what's the big mistake you've done that robs you of your peace? And I said, ignoring red flags in relationships, friendships with people, red flags, just ignoring them because I love the person and I believe in them, ignoring them. And then my inability to say no to things. That's a big thing for me. I don't like saying no to people. I don't like saying no to opportunities. Um, I've done a bad job of purging situations, behaviors, and people in my life that rob my peace. And I've used that word now, purge. And so one of my big mistakes is just saying no. The energy wasn't right. I still did it. The timing wasn't right. I still did it. I'm triple booked. I still do it. And there's these things that just rob my peace in the in the pursuit of my passion. Sometimes I've got to learn that sometimes less is more, fewer is better. And, and that's a lesson, hopefully that as I'm sharing that with many of you that you can learn for yourselves, because it's something that my sense that Trent has been good at for a while. I just know this because of different opportunities that come both of our ways that sometimes I've agreed to do that he's passed on. And, and so I, I know that for him as well. So, you know, I think people think big things make them happy. And what I love about your message is it's more about small things. And man, is that true? Having the blessing in my life of having some, by the way, I want everyone to have big things. I want you to have your big payday. I want you to have that big moment that you believe will really deliver bliss to you in your life. But those big things, even if you get them are going to be very few and far between and very rare. Yet there's these small gifts around us every day that could deliver us bliss and joy and peace. So you speak the best to that. So talk a little bit about small things and how you're just really good at appreciating that. Yeah, man. Uh, small things are everything. And I'm glad that you said that. Cause I'll say this too. Like 
you know, get the big things, you know, get the big, whatever it may be. Like, I think those things are a part of life. You should, you deserve those things. But if you're thinking those things are going to fulfill you, mm-hmm. you're highly mistaken. And I don't want to spend too much time on this, but last year, right. I just moved into a new house, have a huge following all these things. Right. Mm-hmm. But all those things couldn't heal the pain that I was currently going through. And in that moment, I realized, and I always has a sense of this, but even more, I realized, okay, this isn't what life is about. This is a part of life. It's a great part of life. Mm. But this isn't what truly life is about. And then mm. that saying, the best things in life are for free. Mm. I always heard that, but it mm. never really resonated to me until last year. And mm. I started to realize like my kids, I started to realize my wife, I start to realize my community. I start to realize my, my dad and my brothers and all my friends and said, this is what life is about. Mm. Life is about creating memories mm. through experiences because at some point in your life, memories is all you're going to have to hold on to. Golly, so and, and what I understood about with my mom, because when she had died, bro, like, I don't know if you did this with your dad. I was looking through everything she left. Like I was doing her room. Which time did she leave? And it was some things. And checking my text messages and stopped and said, a voice said, and I, I believe it was her. She said, it's not about what I left for you. It's about what I left in you. Uh, and every time that I miss her, which is every day, I think about everything she has left in me. Mm-hmm. And a question if I can ask the audience just to, to, to meditate on as we wrap this up is, Get clear on what truly fulfills your life. Get clear on what truly matters. And a great exercise that I tell people is just picture your life, the people, the things, and ask yourself this question on a scale from one to 10. If you lost it, how would your life be affected? If you lost it, could you replace it? And the things that are irreplaceable, the things that you say, man, my life will be crushed, If I lost it, you better start spending more time with those things and put value in those things because time is not promised with those things. There's somebody in your household and hopefully it's years, years away, but there's somebody in your house, in your family. It's going to be the last person standing. I'll think about my house and I'm in, man, hopefully it's my youngest daughter, the way life goes, but somebody in here is going to live by themselves without other people. So I think about that. So I want to get the most out of my life. So develop your prescription for fulfillment by asking yourself, where am I spending my time at? And am I spending my time on the things that truly matter? If you do that, you will get to the end of this year more fulfilled than ever because you placed your energy in things that generated peace, generated bliss, generated joy back to your life. I love you. I knew it. I knew it. I knew if we did this today, it was going to come out this way. And there's just going to be some spirit about the conversation. That's just unbelievable. And I believe that's because that spirit exists within you, Trent, you know, how much, you know, the more we connect, the more my affection and my love for you grows. And I want to, I want you and I to do more things together. I'm very grateful for today. Today brought me and millions of people more peace. It did. And for that, you've done Noble work today, my friend. You were right on your purpose today. And so thank you, brother, for the time. I'm very, very, very appreciative and very grateful for you. So thank you. Thanks, Ed. I appreciate you, man. It's easy to be vulnerable and be yourself when 
you're communicating with a person like you. So thanks for having a platform and thanks for being who you are to allow that, man. It's a gift. Yeah. I appreciate you. Yeah. I love you, brother. You guys check out Trent's podcast, check him out on social. Most of you probably already do, but you're missing out if you don't, obviously unique man with a very unique perspective and gift and message and purpose. And so everybody else, Hey, I hope that today affected you. I know it did. How can you pay me back? Cause it's free. <laughs> Pay me and Trent back by sharing this show with people that you love, that you care about, who you want to have better lives, who you want more inspired, have the tools to live happier and more productive lives and max out their life. God bless you, everybody. Take care. This is The Ed Milet Show.